friends. Welcome to the Creative Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Caldwell, and I'm so happy you're here. Each episode, I take some time to chat with fellow artists about life, faith, and the impact of the arts. Happy November, friends. I am so excited for this month and all that is to come. And if you're just joining us and may not have heard the announcement, the month of November is going to be focused on a special mini-series around building positive team culture. This is a topic that I'm super passionate about, and I can't wait for you to meet all of the different guests that are going to be coming on in the next five weeks. This series is leading up to the launch of my new book called Healthy Relationships Equals Healthy Team. While the context of both my book and this podcast series is dance team culture, the content is going to be so applicable to any type of team and all sorts of relationships. So that could be anything from your workplace to your family. Each episode in the series, we're going to dive into different topics relating to team culture and the factors that contribute to creating a positive team culture. We'll end each episode with specific encouragement to directors or coaches and to students. Today's guest is someone I deeply admire and am so grateful for, and her name is Mary Wint. I'll give a more detailed introduction to her professional background once we get into the conversation, but Mary's over 40 years in this industry is evident in the wisdom that she shares with us today. Mary is an incredible speaker, educator, and leader in this industry, and she has a passion for developing leaders. Mary was voted the youngest lifetime achievement recipient from the Texas Dance Drill Team Educators, as well as their Hall of Fame recipient. She's also received the Hall of Fame Award from DX Events and the National Dance Coaches Association. Today, we cover a wide variety of topics, including being intentional about building a positive team culture leading out of your values, practical tips for building communication skills, and why the work of directors and coaches is so important. I'm so thankful for Mary and her beautiful heart, and I can't wait for you to meet her today. As you'll hear at the end of our conversation, both Mary and I will be at the Texas Dance Educators Association Convention this coming January, and we would love to see you there. Thanks again for joining us today, and enjoy my conversation with Mary Wint. So excited to get to be here with Mary Wench this morning. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Rachel. I'm really honored to be here. I'm excited for us to discuss things and um, to kind of be able to meet some new people through this podcast. Yes. I am just so grateful that you were willing to spend some time with us today. And just for those listening, I am dealing with a little bit of sinuses. So if you hear a little congestion, that's why. <laughs> but I was like, this is not going to stop me from getting to talk to Mary. <laughs> so <laughs> wanted to take a moment just to introduce Mary and then I'll also give you a chance to introduce yourself, share anything else. So just to give a bit of an overview, um, Mary has been involved in the dance team industry for over 41 years as both a coach and industry professional. So some highlights along the way. She was the former director and choreographer for the North Texas State University Song Leaders, as well as assistant director and choreographer for the TCU or Texas Christian University Showgirls, which was her alma mater. So that's fun. (laughs) Yes. And she also was a former Kilgore College Rangerette Lieutenant. So that's so fun. She has directed several high school teams in Texas, Ohio, 
New Jersey and Washington. So it sounds like you've moved around a good bit. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, And also worked for MA Dance, those that know Marching Auxiliaries, as their vice president for over 35 years, former choreographer and director for the Citrus Bowl, which is so cool. And some other fun highlights that I think will relate so well to what we're doing today are that she is the education director for the USASF, which is the U.S. All-Star Federation Dance, Mm -hmm. and the associate director for their enrichment and leadership program. So Mm -hmm. she's developed lots of workshops um, and helped give lots of leadership workshops for students and coaches. She's also been a part of the original judging panel at the Dance World and so much more. I'm going to invite people to read your bio because it's just incredible. Um, And something that's recent that's so fun is that you were also developing a leadership program for students in Moldova, which I'm excited to hear about more today. So man, that's just like even the tip of the iceberg. So I invite people to read all of your bio. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks so much, Rachel. Yeah. It's I always say that I kind of was um, in the right place at the right time for everything. I'm retired now, which um, and helping take care of my mom, but I'm still doing lots and lots of things. I wanted to kind of share, if it's okay with you, I wanted to jump in and share a story about yes, me. Yes, I would love that. Because I think it's important to kind of understand whenever someone's talking about leadership, everyone has a story in the lens through which they see things. Yes. And for me, I have incredible parents, had in one case, but mm. incredible parents and they were very young when they had me. So we traveled all over the United States growing up. I'll give you an example of that. Mm-hmm. One year we lived in third grade year in the projects in Cleveland, Ohio, and then moved in the middle of the academic school year to Laurel, Mississippi, to a trailer park. So there was a lot of traveling for me and living with different relatives. But my one constant in all of that traveling was dance. Oh, yeah. Everyone rallied to really make sure that I was continuing my dance journey. Mm-hmm. And so my content were my dance studio teachers. Yes. And that's how I see directors. Directors, you don't know that there's a young person who needs you. And they need you, like my dance teachers did, to assimilate into their community mm-hmm. to help become leaders, but also to be able to look to their left and their right and make a friend. Yes. To be able to learn to connect with other people. And also on that journey in the fourth grade, my my teacher, Mary Margaret Nyland in another city, not in any of those that I mentioned, pushed me into teaching in the fourth grade with her. Oh, wow. And so I've been actively teaching or leading a workshop or doing something in this industry since the fourth grade. And I look to her as my first mentor to be able to push. And I think all of that's important is to understand how passionate I am about the value of what we do Yes, because it truly has changed my life. Mm-hmm. And it's always been the way I've looked to go. And so I cannot encourage directors enough that truly look into your class and know you're making a difference. And that's why I love talking about leadership and culture and all of that. Yes. That's so such a perfect intro to this whole conversation. (laughs) And that's something that I have really appreciated about you, both as a student when I was going to MA camps myself in high school, and then also as a director and getting to take my students, getting to hear your passion for you know, helping people grow as leaders, helping people grow in character. And I could always sense that in you, you know, it's more than about dance, even though dance is incredible, but it's more about who are the people 
that we are becoming right through this. Right. And so I appreciate that about just everything that you've poured into me. And I'm so excited for people to get to hear your wisdom today. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Rachel. Yes. Yeah. Because, because that's our job, isn't it? Is not everyone's going to go into our profession. Right. Our job is to, to have people work together, exactly. learn to work together. That's yes, huge. Yes, for sure. So you kind of already touched on this, but what would you say is the value of being part of a team? Yes. Well, it's not inherent, I think, for people to work together in a team. And I just don't think it's always easy in a peer level for people to want to always work together. But I read this quote from Andy Stanley, and I think it's it's so important. And this is it. He said, actions, yes, they speak louder than words, but reactions speak louder than both. And that's what I think is the power of a team. We all know what we should do. We, we give our students leadership style and we ourselves know as educators, but if you put yourself in a team setting with deadlines, people having bad days, both the directors and the students and tests and all of those anxieties and pressures that come in, right? The, how people react is the beauty of what a team gives. It allows a student to figure out how to handle reactions and how to even handle their own reactions. So I think that's the beauty of a team and learning your own leadership style and learning how to work with the person to your left and to your right. Yes, that is huge. That's huge. For (laughs) sure, for sure. And what I am so excited about is this whole, the whole month of November, we're going to be talking about how do we develop that positive team culture, you know, Mm -hmm. and something where where students are able to grow and thrive and also the directors and coaches. So yes. Why do you think it matters to have a positive team culture, you know, not just be on a team, but for it to be a positive team culture? I think it's vital. I think one of the things that we all have to look at is the team culture that we create for dance team is yes, we expect excellence. I always say hashtag excellence. You'll always see me do that when I say that. But the other thing is we have to allow for vulnerability. Thank you, Brene Brown. Mm -hmm. And also for mistakes. Yes. To happen in practice, maybe not on the performance field, but we have to allow people to be able to be authentic mm-hmm. and honest. So I have two things I'm going to kind of sit in for a minute when I'm talking about culture and why I think it's important. I want to talk a little bit about Moldova for just a second. Yeah, I would love to hear more about that. We were contacted by the American Embassy for Education and the American Council, excuse me, for Education uh, through mm-hmm. the American Embassy to do something for the females of Moldova. They had already done something for the males with the NFL, but they, a lot of foreign exchange students from Moldova come to the U S and they want to be in cheerleading. They want to be in dance team, but they don't have the skills. So we're giving them a little bit of a skill set and talking about leadership because they wanted to develop the leadership, especially the females, because believe it or not, Moldova's president is a female. And a lot of the mayors that I met through zoom in Moldova are female. So they're wanting to empower women. So we did a leadership thing. So we brought in all of these different people, young women in high school age from across Moldova, from different regions for them to come in and learn and then go and create cheer dance programs in their own area. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really great. And then they also had a physical camp. I just got out oh, fun. That as well a week long. But the importance of this is the whole point of this with culture is they don't have a culture to springboard from Mm. these 17 and 18 year olds, along with their 
with other adults they were bringing in were going to develop the culture. Wow. Yeah. So they get to start from square one. Right. From square one. So what is a culture? So let's talk about that. And then I'll talk about existing in just a second. But some of the questions I asked them, and I think this is important for directors, even middle school directors, I think this really would resonate with them. Some of the questions that we asked that the team asked them. And the first one is, how do you define success? That's your team. Ultimately, that's your team culture, not winning. How do you define success? Is it retention? Is it attraction? What, what is, and for them, of course, it was a lot of it, a lot of it was attraction and retention. So we had to sit in that for a minute. And then we had to ask them, how do you define not being successful? Or I'm just going to say it losing. How do you define losing? And so they had to talk about that. So I think that goes into a culture. And then there's about five more things I want to just briefly talk about that, that we asked them is if you could create the ideal member of your team. And I want you to think about this, Rachel, because I'm going to toss the ball to you in a second. If you could Mm -hmm. create the ideal dancer, cheerleader on your team, what would that be? And I think that's important for you to be intentional about the direction you want to drive your car as a director. And so for me, some of the things I came up with, and I'm Rachel, I'm just going to ask you to name one thing when I, after I give you mine, but for me, the three things I wanted to really focus on in creating my culture would be things like a good work ethic, being prepared, being on time, because I think, and loving the person to your left and your right, wanting to be there. I think that's super important. So that good work ethic was one. Then number two was being a team player, loving the person, but more importantly, respecting the person to your left and right, being there, showing up. And then the third one was being a good communicator, mm-hmm. communicating, not just your performance, being able to communicate with the adult in the room and being able to communicate off the mat, off the Marley, off the field, off the whatever word you want to use outside of the four walls of the room to be able to communicate about who the team is. Mm -hmm. All of those things were things that I believe are important in my team culture. So as a director, what were, what are your things that you want to have be embodied in each of your dancers? That's such a good question. And the first thing that came to mind for me was teachability and Mm. sort of goes along with what you were saying with being a team player, being someone who is, has that work ethic. So Mm -hmm. willingness to, to learn new things and to absorb, you know, I think another thing that was always really important for me was the, the idea of having integrity, you know, being Mm. honest. And even if you do make a mistake or do something that is not in line with the team values and that kind of thing that you're honest and come share openly with the the director or the coach about it. Um, See, I love what you were saying just about loving the person to the left and the right and respecting Mm -hmm. them. I would definitely agree with those. Probably just something that I was trying to build, especially in my Mm -hmm. five years at Dulles, is this idea of like growth mindset. So staying in a positive, like we're, we're learning from this, we're growing from this rather than feeling defeated, you know, or like if I can't be perfect, then I'm just going to shut down. Right. So those are a few that come to mind. (laughs) Those are great. Those are great. And we'll actually talk about growth in just a second, but I think, but see how intentional that is. in you thinking about what the steps are that you're going to do and the time you're going to pour in Andy Stanley, I probably will quote him about five times in this. I love it. He has a great quote that says, great leaders lead out of their values first 
not out of their beliefs. So I think setting and really being intentional about what is important to you helps really determine that culture. So let's say that you're you're a new director coming into a program that has a huge history. Mm-hmm. That will help you. Of course, you're always going to listen first and not do too many radical changes. That I've learned over all of my years. Yes. <laughs> and that's also how I always came into programs as a director was just listening first. But then at some point, figuring out your values, it'll help you shift and help you get the buy-in. Right. So I want to continue more now with just a couple more questions that we did for Moldova. And then, so they they all came up with who they wanted to, to dance or cheer with. And then we asked them, there are some groups that support your new club you're going to form. Parents, for them, business owners, yeah. and then also um, other coaches coming in, other adults coming in. How can they support you? Mm -hmm. So maybe having those conversations with all of the subgroups, if you're a director with your administration, maybe just having that chat, you know, how, how do you want to support? This is what I want to support. Maybe consider that in, in your culture. And then two more that are really fun. How do we define practices? Yeah, that's your culture. That's your day-to-day actions and words coming together. And then how will we handle or deal with criticism and negative issues like gossip? You know, you, you know, you're going to have those reactions. So let's have a discussion about with your leaders, right? You know, how, how are we going to handle those? And then finally having everyone come together and say, you know, this is the goal of our program. That's the beauty of having officer camps. Now we didn't have them in the late seventies, early eighties when I was in college, early eighties. So now we know that people do goals, the goals of the team and the parents. But I think it's important, especially in middle school, if you meet with the parents, to have them list the goals of what they want their their child to get out of the program, but then the goals of the parent. What are the goals, parent, that you want to do right. in this program? Which maybe is autonomy. I know as a parent, I wanted autonomy. I wanted my, I had a young man, I wanted my young man to speak to the coach directly and have me pull out of it. So giving examples like that, I think you help shift your culture to maybe having more understanding um, with the parents and with the different groups that come in. So that's one thing. And then there's a a document that I'm going to share. You're going to be able to share for me. Yes, I will share it in the show notes for sure. Sure. And it is, um, I think it's a great visual, especially for middle school directors. And it looks like a Pac-Man. And the reason why I like to share visuals, not only in parent meetings, but even in things like podcasts, is 55% of what people remember from a presentation is visual. Mm, Yeah, that's so good. And so I think it's important for you when you go to attack this or talk about culture with parents or whoever is to have a graphic. So this is a fun one. And it has a Pac-Man. If you're driving, you can just listen. I'll describe it. It has a Pac-Man on one side, and that's the culture. And for me, that's the history of what has come before, the history of the director, the history of the student leaders, how the administration supports you. All of that is there. That's coming in. And then you have your new year. And there's five growth Things that I think help you with your culture, that feed your culture, that the ghosts that your Pac-Man eats drives your culture. Uh And so the very first one is change. And we always face change. Everything is change every day. Like today you have a cold, so you're overcoming it and you're moving forward. Um, as, as a director, every year you have your veterans, you have your rookies and good luck. Yes. You're making it happen. And so that's, that's part of your culture. Then the second one is growth. And you have to, this generation, my favorite generation ever, I, I try to never diss this generation. I love them. Yeah. 
is they want to be intentional and growing. Mm. They want to be involved in the community, but they want to see growth because they can get all the answers they want anytime. So true. They don't need answers. They need you to help them grow. So growth of the team and the individual. And I wanted to briefly share a story. Yeah. So in the early 90s, there was a team from Syracuse, New York, and they did for the very first time what I can remember, a show that had a theme, but the theme was historical. Each dancer, it was all women, think early 90s. Yes. It was all women on the floor. And each woman had, the, it, the show was about the Holocaust. Mm. Each woman was a different real person Wow. in the Holocaust. They studied that culture. They studied the culture of being Romanian and the culture of being Hungarian and being Polish mm-hmm. and then what they did before. And then they, they helped select the attire for what they wore. And then, of course, the groups would come together, the young ones and then the older ones, you know, just how you would think as a director, how you would choreograph it. And then you would learn what happened to them. So they would portray what, what they were going through in the Holocaust. Wow. Then right before nationals before their national performance, they found out if their character, if their real person lived or died, Wow! survived or flourished after the Holocaust. And if they survived the Holocaust, what they did. That to me, I'm not saying to do that specifically, but that is an, that is an example to me of growth, both individually in a, in a whole different direction, mm-hmm. but also how you can take something and be very intentional with it. And so I love, I love to share that story because it's so layered yes. on so many levels and everyone that's listening to this is creative. They're going to do something better, something different, something more impactful for their own students. Mm-hmm. But that's what I mean by growth, not just of the team but of the individuals being intentional in that. Yes. And then three more very quickly. Yeah. The next one's performance. You know, that is, that's part of your culture, your performance, not only on the field, but also at competition that is outcome measured often. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people put a lot of investment in that and what a judge says and speaking from the judge chair, I'm just looking at that one minute of 13 to 18 year olds in that moment in time, so true. knowing that, if they performed again in two hours, it would be a somewhat different performance. Maybe Sally wouldn't fall. Maybe um, Sherry would hit her spot or the reverse would happen. Right. And so always remember that, that that should, to me, speaking from the judge chair, is should never be the total outcome mm-hmm. of, of your performance. It should be your own personal goals, your own goals of the team. You know, maybe we improve with this, or maybe we hit all of our sets or whatever. And as a coach, that's what I had to do because my teams were never full of people who had dance training. Mm -hmm. So I always made it, we're not going to win, even though we did a couple of times, wink, wink, we really did. Yeah, But it was more about how we could improve. And then two more very quickly, execution, which to me is how you run your practices. Mm-hmm. That's your culture. How much do we listen? Is it director led? Is it student led? Is there a time for interaction, for pair share, for each other giving feedback? Is there time for us to communicate? And then the last one is innovation. And that to me is the what's next. It's taking the word change and making it actionable. Mm-hmm. How are we gonna how are we gonna change our practice? What are we gonna do differently from football season to, to competition season? So all of those innovation things change, growth, performance, execution, innovation, all of those feed into our culture besides our history mm-hmm. and who we all are as people. And then I'm going to add in our reactions. So that was a very long answer. <laughs> that was great. 
what does it mean to have a positive team culture? But I think it's also important to understand the factors, right. which is kind of your part two question, the factors of what make a team culture. And if I had to sum it all up in one word, if I had to give you one word, respect. Ooh, yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you have to respect the history. You have to respect all of those different things. So right. that was really long-winded, but I'm passionate about that. So. I love the passion <laughs> for sure. And all of those things are so practical and I think they're going to you know, relate no matter. And I was thinking about this too. I'm like, no matter what people listening are a part of, whether it is dance team or it may be you know, in the professional world or mm-hmm. just in their home, you know, all of these things can relate as well. So I love that so much. I'm curious from your experience, you know, what do you think are some of the warning signs of an unhealthy team culture? Things yeah. that you're like, oh, that's a red flag. Yeah. And, you know, you can see it sometimes walking mm-hmm. in as an outsider. It's easier for an outsider than an insider always, but it is um, how people are treated. If the point young lady is late to practice and there's not any repercussions or nothing happens to her and the back row bell or bow is late and they have to go do sit-ups or push-ups, that's a red flag to me immediately. Yeah. And that is everyone. Exactly. Everyone has to be treated the same. Now, leaders, officers have, have their own set of things that they have to do. But if the officer is not one to always jump in when they can and doesn't try to be equal with the team, that's when you begin to see the dysfunction, which begins to lead to gossip, which leads to other things that really cause issues within the team. So I think it's very important to me, the easiest, the main factor is not having everyone feel respected. That's the ultimate umbrella Mm -hmm. of what I just said, but they're treated differently. They're not included. They feel that they're less than, Mm. and I think that's incredibly important. That is the biggest thing that will drop off. And then the second one is communication. Yeah. If people don't feel heard or seen, if they feel like they're just a back row filler, if they don't feel like they have a voice, if they're having a bad day and no one notices. Yeah, that's a good one. But I think it's respect to me. If you can have everyone understand what respect is, and how we can respect each other. And we need to be aware of the person to our left and our right. Super important. Yes, for sure. For sure. I love a quote that you mentioned to me previous to our recording, which is from Abraham Lincoln. I don't like that person. I must get to know him. So why does Mm -hmm. this quote, I guess, just resonate with you? And what does it mean to you? Sure. I I think stories are important. There are always people that we somehow or another, they feel like sandpaper to us. They're like sandpaper people. And I remember being in high school and in college and I was like, oh, you know, and I always took a big sigh. And I think when I read this quote, I realized it's just, just because I don't really know them. In other words, I need to find out their story. What's their why? Yes. And more equally, besides sharing and having the two minute discussions, like what I said, where you ask a question like, if I was your tour guide, where would I take you, Rachel? You know, and then you could tell me through a way of kind of what's important to you. True. If you think about it. And then I would tell you, and that would again say something to me, and we keep we keep on going and learning each other. So I think those two minute conversations are important. And what I've done, and and how why that quote really resonates with me personally, is that in situations where I'm in work, I typically try to yoke myself to somebody who sometimes gives me a little bit of a sandpaper. Mm -hmm. 
Because the more I work with them, the more we will work through things on a smaller scale. We'll learn to respect each other more because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. Because our leadership styles are different and our communication styles are different under stress. And so we'll continually talk and work through. So I'm a big believer in allowing the time for the students to also share things so that if you see those sandpaper things go, like two officers are starting to clash, Mm -hmm. you allow some fun things for them to be able to work through them personally and and in a friendly way. The other thing I'd like to tell directors is I can't tell you how many calls I've gotten over the decades from people to say, Sally quit the team. I had no idea. And her mother called and said, it's because she's not making any friends on the team. Hmm. She doesn't have any friends on the team. And typically what's happening is we're so involved in the dance, which of course we are. That's our jobs. Right. But now with this, what they feel is friendship is often a little bit different And so you've got to allow the face-to-face interaction and the ways to interact during the time. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the thing with the Abraham Lincoln quote is if you can pick somebody that maybe personally is a director that you don't always get along with, if you can find a way to work with them, especially if it's a student, yes, you know, really get to know them, try to find out a little more. You don't have to ask intrusive questions, but find a way to work on a project together or have officers that are clashing do that. I think you'll see them begin to come together. And I'll share a secret. Yes. Over the decades of MA dance and then also with USASF, anytime I put together a rooming list, I usually put people together who didn't like each other. Oh. So they would have to room together that because then they would learn to find the commonalities. That's so smart. And that's what's important. Yes. Yeah. So think about sitting on the bus. Think about, you know, doing pair shares. Find me intentional directors. And, and if you do that personally as well, I think your career will thrive. Yes. Because more people will, then will be your cheerleaders in, in your profession. And that's super important. I can see how that, that brings so much growth personally when you're putting yourself in that position to kind of push past those things and get to know the other person. Yeah. I think about how that builds that empathy with others, right? You're getting to know their backstory, getting to know what makes them react, like you were saying, the way that they do and that kind of thing. I think there was multiple times as a director that I had that experience of not understanding why this person is being so disrespectful or whatever. And then I would get into a, a deeper conversation and find out more about their life and what was going on. And then, you know, my eyes were completely open to this makes total sense now, you know, and why what I was doing was kind of causing some of those reactions, you know? So I love, love, love what you're saying. And I love the idea of that secret weapon of like, put them in the same room together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Something about sharing a room. (laughs) Yeah, there is. There's something about sharing that enclosed tight space and having those reactions happen that's impactful. So. Yeah. So something that I love about what you do is building those positive communication skills and learning how to communicate effectively. Um, I remember at officer camp, even, you know, you would have the students stand up when they're sharing and have mm-hmm. that presentation quality and, you know, use that projection with their voice and confidence and helping them grow as communicators. So mm-hmm. with your work across, you know, the world, really different cultures mm-hmm. and different countries, mm-hmm. And across the US, are there any sort of, I would call it universal tips, things that are just across the board that help build communication on a team? Yes. What I'll do first is talk about individually, and then I'll give about four little exercises. And some oh, of them great. they can 
download from here to continue to work on communication. One of them I just did. You're not, but you're not supposed to do. But mm-hmm. whenever I teach communication, even in a short setting, as you alluded to, Rachel, it is, you know, the posture is standing straight, staying planted. A lot of times we rock as women because that's our comfort. Yes. So trying to be very, very planted is important. The power of the pause is huge. Yes. And I think that comes into play more when we get into, and I'll probably talk about it, um, I'll talk about it in a minute, communication styles under stress. If you can teach people just to pause, it will help them so much in their marriage, with their partners, in work, being a good team member, just all being a parent. You know, there's so many things. The power of the pause is huge. And then making eye contact because eye contact to me, it's the hardest thing to do. It's super hard for this generation that I love with the phone, Mm -hmm. but I think making that eye contact is really huge because it shows that you see them. Yes. And whenever you're giving eye contact in a room to a group, it's not about going left to right where it's automated, but it's about ping ponging, you know, throwing the ball to people and just talking to that person instead of to the entire room. Mm. And that really helps people realize that it's not really the whole room you're talking to. You're really talking to each individual in that moment. And if you can make that eye contact around, it's genuine and it's authentic. And I think it really helps you get your message across more. So those are some things that I try to teach. And those aren't things that have anything to do with content because truly people don't remember hardly anything, even of this podcast, they're not Mm -hmm. because people only usually remember around 7%, 6 to 7% of content. Most of it is what they see visually. So that's why we have the charts. But some of the things, some exercises I wanted to do was, I wanted to talk about was number one, that share a story, you know, take two minutes and ask a question that's innocuous. Like you and I would be together and I would have a timer. And for two minutes, I could say, uh, share something about if we were directors, my biggest leadership mishap or success in high school, Mm -hmm. whichever one I wanted to talk about. I talked for two minutes, then you would talk for two minutes. Love it. Think about the richness of what we would just learn about each other. Yes. So much depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much. And you'd find out so much about the person. And then you'd find yourself asking, well, wow, or I did this. And you'd find that commonality. That. Yes. That's communication. That's real communication. Mm-hmm. And then for students, like I said, the Jenny Allen thing that I'm going to give you, that's the next part where you have those questions that you can do where they start off easy and then medium and then hard. And you can, of course, start off, don't do these every day, do them once a week. Mm-hmm. It's only four minutes total, two and two, and then have them have them do that. Anything from being a travel guide to what's the best part of your day. It can be as little or as big. And that again, will tell people. So they're communicating. Then the third one is John Gordon has this sheet that's called team builders and team breakers. He has a list of different qualities and attributes. So start off with each person doing this individually on week one. And what are five builders for you? And there's a huge list. Yeah. So they don't have to create it, which to me is the success of it. And so some of them are like honesty and integrity. That would speak to you, Rachel. Mm-hmm. Um, active listening, mutual respect, those types of things. They list their five. 
And then the team breakers, they would list their five, which is, I think this one would bother you, Mrs. Deadlines. For some reason, I feel like that would resonate with you. (laughs) But um, playing favorites, not listening, being micromanaging, those types of things. Mm -hmm. So they would do that on their own. And then the next week, they'd pair share. You and I would come together with our lists and we would come up with a Mary with a Rachel Mary list of builders and breakers. Yeah. And then you expand so that the pool expands. Then you, at the end, you have half and half the team. And then you have the whole team discuss mm-hmm. the two halves with presenters. And you always have, as it gets larger, different moderators. Mm-hmm. So everyone practices communicating. And I think that's important. People are going to find out a lot about what people value that way. Yes. And then- The last thing, and this one is so amazing to me, and it's communication styles under stress. That would be so fascinating. Yes. So, yeah. So the example that we always gave in our leadership things were the ticket counter when your flight has been canceled. You will see people communicate under stress. They will yell. Some will be charming. Some will be demeaning. You know, you'll Uh, see all these different ways. All of this have within our own team, you know, maybe how you react to your husband is different than how you react to your team under stress as a director. Mm -hmm. I would hope so. Right. But most of the time we do that, but all of us have our go-tos and under stress. And I think it's important to have a discussion for us. There were about five. There's like the Fox who's scheming and the scorpion who is fearful and they, they will hurt you and come back. And it's mainly because they're fearful. Mm -hmm. There's the honey badger who's really in your face they're very protective. There's the butterfly, which is the one who avoids conflict, uh-huh. yeah. who goes off. And that's the one that you're surprised they quit your team mm. because you didn't notice them constantly flit away. And then there is what we call the giraffe, which is where you pause. So we teach these under stress, again, stressing that this is how somebody communicates under stress. It's not their normal communication style, but all of us have reactions. Yes. Remember that Andy Stanley quote? Exactly. That reactions speak louder than everything. And that's what a team does. And so you have them, them go, you teach it, they laugh. You have them say, which one is theirs? It will change. Then you have them divide them into groups and they create little games or uh, scenarios. That's the word I'm looking for. Scenarios Mm -hmm. of all the different types. And then the other groups have to guess who is what type. Oh, smart. Yeah. And it's really fun, but they'll come up with something. But I think it's important because then when you see somebody react like that, it takes it away from being personal. Right. And isn't that communication is understanding someone Mm -hmm. and leadership is understanding people in times of stress. That is leadership. And so taking that moment to pause and realize that if you come back at them the same way, or if you come back at them as a, as a honey badger, it's just going to escalate. Yeah. And so whether you're on a dance team or you're a contest director with a coach who is so passionate about how her team just performed, but they come at you sometimes, it's easy for me to take a breath and realize she's coming at me in that way, in that moment, because she loves her team. And she is upset. And that transfers to everything in life, whether it's your child or your husband. And so that to me are some tips on building stronger communication is understanding that reaction Mm -hmm. is just as important as understanding when they're in a good mood and being and allowing the grace Mm. for it and being able to take that pause 
and not make it attacking you personally. I, I have to keep saying that because I think that's why that's why I attack back. Mm-hmm. When it feels personal. Exactly. Yep. So just taking that moment. And I think if we can give all of our students that, and gosh, I wish I would have known that in high school. I would have been a lot better leader. Yeah, same. I really would have been. So mm-hmm. anyway, I think I think those are some good tips. So very quickly recapping, sharing stories, the two-minute questions, then also the um, the John Gordon team builder and allowing different presenters to present. They'll not only talk, but present. And then also the communication styles, doing something really fun and funny with that. And it will be long lasting. Yes. Bringing in that humor helps too. <laughs> yeah. It does. And you can laugh it about does. it. And then people are like, okay, kind of lets that tension out too, I think. Yeah. It does. It does. And then, and it just gives people grace. Yes. So I think it's great. Yes. So yeah. what would you say is one of the biggest challenges that you see student leaders facing in leadership? Sure. I think it's both for directors and student leaders. I'll put them together. Okay. And there's two things that I want to focus on. The first one is getting and giving feedback. Mm. I think sometimes because of Again, love this generation because of this. Th- sometimes they can be very straightforward, right? With the and I think phones. it's important, <laughs> right, to teach the sandwich. And and the thing is, you've got to teach it because they don't feel it's genuine. Yeah, they feel like you're just going through the motion. But I think you have to understand that again with that communication. You don't want people to become reactive. Again, you can use that communication mm-hmm. style. You can use the feeling chart, which I'll, you know, which we kind of alluded to. You can use that feeling chart. It'll, it'll trigger somebody. Yeah. So you need to kind of do that. So I think getting and giving feedback is important because they're so used to, to not mm-hmm. getting and giving feedback. And I want to talk a little bit about that with directors too. Yes. With directors, I know that they get it with competition. I don't really think that that's even though I know that that's a measure in some districts of how well you do, some districts, they use that as a measurement. Mm -hmm. I think like what TDEA does with deal, I think that's a great way to give and receive feedback. And I'm going to talk about it very, very briefly. Not that I am trying to get people to come do it, but I want you to think about even doing this on your own, even if you don't do deal, but it's 15 minutes of learning a combination that's like eight to 10, eight counts, and then 15 minutes of the teacher coming in and reviewing it with the dance class kids, not your, not your dance team, Mm -hmm. but your dance class kids, if you teach dance. And then here's the beauty of it. Then you sit back as the dance team teacher or the dance teacher, not dance team, the dance teacher, and you watch them perform. Mm -hmm. And you see who does well and how they responded. And then you hear then here's here's the powerful moment. In between the two performances, the kids are told they can they can come together as a group and practice or they can practice on their own. What feedback for an educator? Yes. Those moments, are they going to come together as a group? Who's going to come forward and lead? Is it the one you always think it is? Is the rose who always does everything so perfectly but is usually in just the quiet one? Does the rose come forward? in that moment because she really does know the combination right. or, you know, what, what, what is that? And you get to see that. I think that is such a mark of an educator taking that moment to give and receive feedback outside of competition. And that's the way you continue to grow as an educator. So I challenge all of us. And then of course there's deal peer educators that are out that will give you the good and, and things to improve. That should never be anything that's scary. So I think And the last thing I'm going to say about that part on feedback is you're modeling 
receiving and giving feedback. Mm, yes. More than anything you do as an educator, besides competition, because people see that as like they do football or whatever. It's a win or a lose. Mm-hmm. I think seeing feedback that is not based like that is powerful to model. So I encourage directors to find ways to get and receive feedback, to model it for their students, to teach and reinforce Mm -hmm. that feedback. We had to do that a lot with Moldova. Their culture is very aggressive. Like they shout, they really get in there. And so we had to add debate as part of what we taught. So how they, how they would continue with that. So that's, there's different ways to give and receive feedback and you've got to be intentional on that. And the second thing, cause I know I'm long winded is really important is to also have people, students and directors be followers. Yeah. Oftentimes, and I'm one of those people that teach leadership styles, Enneagrams, colors, you know, mm-hmm. all of that, all, all of that is amazing and wonderful and should be taught. Yes. But it also needs to be reinforced what Kenny Rogers said. You have to know when to hold them, fold them, walk away and run. You've got to know Uh when to be the follower. Is it like, just like you and your former assistant director used to say, when is it time for the assistant to be the leader and the director to come second? When, when I did the Moldova group, I would write the script, but then I would not be the main presenter. Because they wanted to hear from young ladies who were in college or younger than me. So I am more powerful when I become a follower, as long as when we've discussed and they've added to the content, we've done all of that. Mm -hmm. They present and I sit back and I can read the room and I can see how effective and I'm mentoring and I'm still being, a but I'm being a follower. It's very powerful. It is. And allowing your students to come together and to pair share and and clean together Mm -hmm. and not have you be the captain all the time is important. It may not always give you the result you want. On a competition floor, I wouldn't suggest doing it the week before, (laughs) but do it throughout. I think that's super important. So those to me are the two things that I don't see happening now. Giving and receiving feedback both directors and students. And then also, and and I I always want the same too. So I'm putting myself in that category, not just them. And then the second one, of course, is being a follower. It's important to do that. And two questions that I think people should should ask their, their kids as they're talking about being a follower. Number one is say that not everyone will like me because, and that's okay because. Oof. Such a good question. Yeah. A great question. And it'll change. And then the second one is I can learn a lot from mistakes because, and I think that allows people to take their ego out of things and to see everything on a more equal playing field. So those long-winded, but I believe passionately in those two things. Those are such good questions to really get deeper into those topics. And also I think they cause so much reflection, you know, and that time to really evaluate our thoughts and our motives even. (laughs) So I think it's so good. Yeah, exactly. And some kids will love it and some kids will dismiss it, but at some point they may come back and revisit. Yes. And that's, that's what educators always, I know that they know that, but sometimes you just have to hear it again. Yes. So good (laughs) to hear that. (laughs) Be reminded, you know? Yeah. So I would love to jump into a little bit more just for you personally. You've been in this industry, like we talked about at the beginning for over 41 years now. And Mm -hmm. I would love to hear what is it that fills you up, that keeps you coming back, so to speak, and like staying in this world. 
kind of, so what fills you up and maybe what's your favorite part of the work that you get to do? Um, filling up, that's really easily from the judge side, which I, I do quite a bit of, it is having that moment that I'm surprised. Ooh, yes. I like, and and I sit there often and I think, well, why did they choose that song? Why did, why that costume? Why? It's interesting to me. And wow, that transition, I never would have thought of that. Or, oh, I like how that flowed. Or, oh, that's such a great motif or mm-hmm. whatever. That fills my cup. I love being surrounded at the end of the day by people who are so creative. They inspire me. And it doesn't matter the age. I love just talking to somebody and finding out, you know, wow, how did you think of that? You know, and it's like you with this podcast, I want to sit down with you and I want to say, how did you come up with this idea? What a great idea. Who have you talked to? I want to just keep going. So continuing to learn. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Being inspired by creative people is, is really amazing. And then that also goes along with attending conventions being able to talk to people, sitting in on their workshops and just gaining knowledge. And then the last thing that kind of fills my cup and is impactful to me is being surrounded by a group of friends who are my cheerleaders, but also speak truth to me. They tell me when I have lipstick on my teeth, you know, they're not afraid to tell me when I'm wrong. Uh And I think that's so important. Yes. And a lot of them are in the industry. They've been my friends for years, like Betsy Heathcock and Donna Haas and Roxanne Gage. And I can keep going. There's lots, lots, lots of them. I'm really blessed. But having people like that who speak truth to you, but yet still love you, that inspires me. And and being able to room with them at events is like a girl's party. Uh-huh, so weekend, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's why it's easy to stay in it I love because that. we all have that, that share. So that, that all of those things fill my cup, but also challenge me at the same time. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's just fun to hear, mm-hmm. you know, what is it that helps to build that longevity and resilience and, in, in the industry. So yeah, I know time always flies with these conversations. I'm like, I want to keep going for (laughs) hours and hours. Um, But I think one thing that I tend to ask at the end of every episode is, do you have anything on your heart to share with other artists? So I'm kind of switching that up this month for focusing on team culture. And the question will be instead, um, what encouragement would you give other directors? And then a follow-up to that, what encouragement would you like to give students? So you've given so many great things throughout this conversation, but if there's kind of one last piece of advice or encouragement that you'd like to give, that would be awesome. Sure. I'll give it to directors first. And it's not going to sound encouraging at first, okay? but it's important. In 2019, two things happened to me personally, and I'll get to the encouragement in a second. But yes. the first one is my dad, my dad passed away. So I'm my so encouragement sorry. to directors is that my dad was a speaker mm. and he was a facilitator. So whoever your mentors are, whoever you think, oh, I'd like to go talk to them and learn more from them and have them pour into me, go do it. Mm, Do it now. There's no guarantee they're going to be there tomorrow. So go do it. The second thing I learned in 2019 that was huge is I sat in on a call of students from across the country and they were cheerleaders and dancers. They had interviewed to be on this call. They were hundred percent in. They love dance. They love cheer because that's, it was for USASF. They loved it. But the thing that they said to us startled me, and this is true of me too, is they said, please tell the directors and coaches that we want them to have their actions match all those great quotes on the walls that they have. Yeah. Now I knew that was pointing the finger right back at me. 
Rachel, which again goes back to that Andy Stanley about reactions, which is why I'm so passionate about sharing that. Mm -hmm. So directors, I'm going to say, if we can aspire to, and I wrote these down because I like, I usually have this moment. So this is, this is my, my uh, one minute thing to really encourage you and to speak to the superheroes that you are for so many. And I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart, do your best to have everyone feel seen and heard. I know you're doing it. You don't have to be a hundred percent every day. Just do your best. I know you are, and I love you for it. And then number two, allow for those stories to be shared and try to share your story when it's appropriate about an appropriate thing. I think it's important that they see you as well because you're their role model. You are the person they spend more time with than their parents, typically in a day. And they probably talk to you more than they do their parents. Then also remember that they don't always know how to connect with those Insta, through Insta, through text, through all those. They don't always know how to connect one-on-one. Right. You're that person that does that for them. So I thank you for that. And then of course, in the end, we're always going to be successful because you're like Jimmy Stewart and it's a wonderful life. You're not going to know your legacy in your lifetime. You're not going to know how you impacted every person, but someday someone's going to come up to you and say, probably shyly. I don't know if you remember me. They always start with that, Mm, but you will have made a difference in their life. It will have been one thing. So hang on there in the dark times, in the times when you don't feel like you're making a difference, when you had that one parent call you, or you're having that moment when that honey badger just connected with you in her time of stress, Mm. know that you are making a difference and we thank you and we love you. Your test is going to become your testimony and your mess is going to become your message, the good and the bad. So hang in there. And then for students, I have three quick things for them. Love it. Number one, you can lead without being named the leader and you're more impactful for it. So take that chance, step out. I will quickly share a story and then I'll give the last two things. The story is we had a young lady take our leadership for three years. And then she became a part of our leadership team and and we were on Zoom calls. So she just started her master's this past year. And they received about a week before a list of all the people that are in the master's program. It's a short list because it's very contained. She reached out to everybody and said, hey, if you want to, let's go to Top Golf the night before. We don't have, you don't have to play golf. We can just get together and meet each other before the first class. Love it. That's leading without being named the leader. And then number two is be a better listener. Your listening ratio, which I did not do on this podcast, but listening is better Mm -hmm. than speaking. And then the very last thing is read people's body language. That's impactful. They'll tell you more with their body than they will with their mouth. So if you see somebody go to the water cooler early, if you see somebody's having a bad day, don't avoid it. Be a leader and go and talk to them. You don't have to solve it. You may have to go to your director, but do read people's body language Mm -hmm. because people want to be seen and want to be included. So that's my advice. Those are so good. And I think so applicable for each of us to take and apply that to wherever we are in our lives. So I really appreciate you giving those, those tidbits of wisdom and just, I love the stories as well, because it really puts it into perspective. So one question that I like to always ask right at the end, just for fun, mm-hmm. is what is one of your favorite things right now? Yeah. You know, I'll be honest. I love, I retire to be with my mom. Yeah. And so I'm taking her to all of her things. So I'm living my own advice. I am 
spending time with my mom, taking her to her doctor's appointments and all of that. But I'm enjoying that and enjoying how at the age of 60, how much she's still teaching me. Yes being present in that. So that's that. And then professionally, I am enjoying just listening to podcasts. I really do. And try to listen to one a day and just keeping up with people and seeing people's work. I enjoy all of that. That's awesome. So good. Well, Mm -hmm. I have had so much fun just getting to sit back and listen because you're one of those people that I just really admire and look up to. And I thank you for being such an encouragement and such a light in this industry and in the world. <laughs> so thank you. Yes. Thank you, thank you. So I just want to honor you in that and thank you for the thank work you. that you've done. Thank you. And I would love to let people know if you're willing where they could maybe reach out and connect more if they you know had questions or just wanted to check in with what you're doing. So is there a place people can reach out to you? Yeah, I'm going to give you my really long personal email address. Okay, Normally I, I give another one, but it is, um, and I would love to hear from anyone what they liked, what they didn't like. I like feedback as well. Yeah. So Mary, M-A-R-Y, and then my maiden name, Miranda, M-I-R-E-N, is in Nancy, D-A. And then my last name went W-E-N-D-T at yahoo.com. And so Rachel, I know you'll probably put it in the notes, but yeah, my personal email, I do check it. I'd love to hear from you. And if I see you at TDA, if you're in Texas, please come up. I'll be there and would like to hear from you. Thank you so much. Well, I'm so excited to see you at TDA soon. (laughs) I can't believe we're already, you know, just a few months out. So thank you. Yeah, I'll be doing a presentation. So if anyone's there. We'd love to have you. That would be so fun. Yeah. Um, We can all connect up. So Mary, thank you again. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks for taking your time to be on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you again. It's an honor. Good luck with this. It's amazing. Amazing. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you. This was such an incredible conversation, and it's one of those that I'm going to go back and listen to multiple times so I can soak in all of the wisdom and practical ideas. You can find all of the links we mentioned today, the full show notes, and additional resources on our website, creativeimpactpodcast.com. Next week, I am joined by Rob Miller of Proactive Coaching for part two of our series. Proactive Coaching works with coaches, teams, and leaders to help intentionally create character-based team cultures, provide a blueprint for team leadership, and more. We are just getting started, so be sure to join us next week for part two of our Positive Team Culture series. In the coming weeks, I'll be sharing more details about the book launch for Healthy Relationships Equals Healthy Team. I'm so grateful for your support, and especially for our patrons who help make this podcast possible. If you're enjoying the podcast and you're interested in helping support the show as well, you can check out our Patreon community. Patrons get bonus content and a behind-the-scenes look at what goes into creating a podcast. You can learn more at creativeimpactpodcast.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. That's creativeimpactpodcast.com slash Patreon. If you haven't already, I invite you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you happen to be listening. And if you have a moment to rate and review the show, that would be incredible. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Impact Podcast. The music for the show was produced by Michael Cash. Until next time, remember that you were designed to create. You were made to inspire. Continue living with purpose and making an impact. See you next week for my conversation with Rob Miller. 